0: All right, welcome down to North Star Community. I am Scott. I'm one of the pastors here.
1: I'm Teresa, also one of the pastors here.
0: Um, today we are doing yet another message recap, which is what we do every time we put one of these online. And um, today is going to be a challenge because um, Teresa here went on vacation for two and a half weeks, which means it's been two and a half weeks since we've recorded one. And that means it's been at least three weeks since you gave the message we're talking about today. And, um, you know, not that anybody else would know this, but for us, we put so much effort into preparing these for like a couple of days, and then we do it, and then it's gone. And you'd be shocked for the amount of effort that we put into trying to create these things, how quickly they exit our brains. Or I don't know if you feel that way, but I, when even if somebody comes up to me one weekend to say something about the message the prior weekend, I am generally totally confused because I've so forgotten.
1: Yes, and um, especially if somebody's going to offer us a word of criticism, they need to do it within 24 hours. (laughs) Because if they wait too long to criticize, it's almost impossible to get defensive over it. So.
0: Um, So you're saying give the criticism sooner so you can be defensive?
1: Yes. I mean, if they want a a defensive, angry response, give feedback very quickly. I wonder
0: if people do want that.
1: Well, that's what they get from me if they respond real quickly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm saying- I don't even
1: want to give that, but that's what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're deeply, deeply personal things, uh, which is uh, probably- Probably shouldn't be the case, but it often is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just being real. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um,
1: I don't want to be that way. I just am that way. Yeah,
0: no, no, I get that, and I I am 100% the same way. I am am on board with what you're saying. Um, So this was a message on, uh, we joked about this while you were gone, that um, it seems like every time we gather at North Star... Part of what we have to talk about is the harm that we've caused. Yeah. Um, which is why maybe it it's not um, the cheeriest place to be. <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny. I think the people who feel uplifted coming to North Star are the people who come and feel like there's other people like me. Right. Not because they come and hear something that's just inherently uplifting. But I think, I think so. I but think I, that might be true. I think it is, but I think it's a good thing.
1: Well, it's, um, and uh, I'll save my specifics on this because it has to do with my recommendation, which we're doing at the end of each podcast. Mm -hmm. But um, I think what you're describing is we are a place that is rich in validation. Yeah. Which is a huge human need that we hardly ever get.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think,
0: well, and I think where what we tend to validate is like our negative instincts and impulses, you know, you and mean so, you and I? I mean, what like, this is what Northstar is trying to do, not just like beyond you and I, but yes, I mean, from the message, when we give the messages, we are trying to validate, like everybody's a real person and everybody causes harm and everybody has negative instincts and impulses and you're loved. Right. And yes, so it's absolutely. like, there's two ways I think that you can respond to that. One is, um, I mean, you could be very discouraged thinking about, I don't want to have those impulses and I want somebody to tell me that I can totally get rid of them. Yeah. Right. And so like you could walk out feeling kind of defeated because you're like, where's the, where's the hope that, that one day this won't be here anymore. Oh um, yes. mm-hmm. And I think on the, on the other hand, it could be, wow, it's amazing that I'm loved just as I am. Yes. And we hear both. You know, we hear people have both reactions. And and I don't know, uh, you know, um, certainly I I don't want to... um, Never my intention to have people walking out feeling defeated, and and that's kind of a worst-case scenario.
1: Um, But I think you and I say this on a fairly regular basis to each other. There are just tons of places you can go Um that um, really um, lean into this idea of every day with Jesus is better than the day before. Mm -hmm. And so I believe you and I are, um, well, one, we think that is not true. So that would be hard to carry off for us as a weekly message. But in addition to that, we're not trying to be a place that attracts people. We're trying to be a place that supports people. Who um, maybe don't get supported other places? So,
0: yeah, yeah. So
1: that being said, we like a nice crowd on the weekend.
0: Sure, everybody, everybody wants that critical mass. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I do think uh, I do think this is very much related to what we talked about. I mean, I. Um, I remember sitting in the message being, um, particularly on Sunday morning, being blown away by some of the things that people were willing to share. And they were sharing based on your prompt, which was, I think you started, uh, I'm having a hard time remembering if this is where we started or not, but it, it is at least a place where we spent a lot of time, where you, you asked the crowd, what are some concrete ways that you cause harm in your life? Yeah. And uh, I won't say them, uh, I think probably some of the things said were so sensitive that even if we don't share names, it's probably best not to say them. I agree. But they, it was the most, and I, I think the person who shared most honestly was maybe somebody who was there for the first time, which was really unbelievable to watch and, and listen to. Um, I've never heard people be so honest. I mean, like these were people who were sharing uh, this particular particular crowd on that particular day is what I mean when I say these people. Um, it was so honest and yeah, pretty uh, raw. That crowd was definitely sharing the biggest areas of shame in their life. Yeah,
1: for sure. It was uh, powerful too to listen to it. It
0: was a confession. It was a group confession. It
1: was a group confession. No question about it.
0: Yeah. So maybe you um, since you were doing the message and I'm doing all the talking, <laughs> maybe you want to draw us in a little bit in terms of what you were thinking about in asking that question um, and what what you were hoping to stir up in people and where you intended to take it.
1: Okay, so this is uh, helpful, I think because I'm gonna I'm gonna give the point and then we you and I can just relax and have a conversation. mm-hmm. So I I try to relax. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, the point that I was uh, going for, the thing that I was trying to, I was trying to do two things. I wanted to connect with the audience in a way that this was not some sort of theoretical discussion, but that emotions might actually be attached to the thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I I was hoping that at least some of the people in the crowd would actually sit with this idea that they have done harm yeah. for more than a skittering second.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I knew it was going to be uncomfortable and painful. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to create, I guess I was presuming upon the fact that I think that we have worked really hard in an attempt to create an environment where it's okay to be your worst self. Yeah. And um, I was excited to see that we had that capacity in our crowd to do that and was very grateful for it. And really, it was very worshipful for me Mm -hmm. uh, to have that confessional space. And then, spoiler alert, here was the conclusion Um, The conclusion of the message was that when God is talking about um, leaning not on our own wisdom um, or understanding, but leaning into him, and that this is where we get wisdom, and this is where we get healthy, health to our body and bones, you know, that very common, what is that, Proverbs 3 or something, Proverbs 1, early Proverbs
0: you were speaking out of Proverbs three, but I think you're referring to a different verse if memory serves.
1: Huh. Well anyway, what does Proverbs three say? Trust not in <laughs> your own understanding, but in all your ways. Isn't that it?
0: Yeah, that's Proverbs three, five, and six. Okay, well that is. You had the more one. you had more verses in there. Okay, but.
1: but that's the that's the one I'm talking about. Okay. And and the point being that um I don't think that um this this very popular proverbs verse that I can't seem to recall in a way that's coherent um, is not saying be good and stop doing embarrassing things. And um, what it is saying is is that um, you to be healthy you have to be able to recognize when you've done something harming. Mm -hmm. And that it's not the end of the world. Life can still go on. That the bigger point is not that you had harming ways. The bigger point is, is that your harming ways do not fundamentally change how God sees you. But having a real sense of reality about the fact that we are people who hurt other people and sometimes have a ripple effect from seemingly inconsequential inconsequential actions, pay attention to that, because that matters, because that changes fundamentally um, life for ourselves and for others. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to pay attention. It's not okay to say, oh, God loves you anyway, right? Um, that's, That's not the point. The point is, because God loves you, it's okay to be your most vulnerable self,
0: This is such a, um, you know, this, this, what you're talking about, this idea, this, um, this territory of a person's spirituality is so hard to talk about well. Yeah. Because what tends to happen, I think, you know, what you're saying, this is the ultimate practice in being non-dualistic. Right. Which is you're saying, both, it's really important for us to experience. And I think this is what you were talking about a few minutes ago. You didn't want people just to think, oh, I'm the type of person who causes harm. You wanted people to remember and like physically experience like in their body what it felt like to cause deep pain to another person. Yes. Right. And have that deep experience, that profound experience of being a person who's caused deep harm and at the same time acknowledging I am loved. Right. And that is very much not the same thing as saying it doesn't matter that I caused harm because I'm loved or yeah, I'm the I'm the type of person that caused harm, but everybody else is too or something like that. You know what I mean? Like in this conversation, it's so easy. I'm, I apologize. That was my chair squeaking. And I'm not going to be able to edit that out, I, I can tell you, um, since I was talking when it happened. But it, it's so hard to have this conversation and not have a couple of things happen where you dismiss the harm that you cause and you don't really experience the depths of it because you're latching on too tightly to the idea that you're loved and therefore, for some reason, people think, so my actions don't matter so much.
1: Yeah, you should just forgive me because
0: yeah, or you love me. Or the, the flip side of that, which is the, um, you know, the justification rationalization thing that that can go on. If Everybody causes harm, so it's it's no big deal and, you know, we, we lessen the impact of it or, or something like that. It's very hard to say um, both experience the pain, you know, and that's an empathy thing. Right. I mean, I, I think right. that, like, right. experiencing the pain of the harm you've caused is an empathy practice, you know, of realizing that, like, you know, you... You know, this is the pain that you cause. But then at the same time realizing, I don't have to spend the rest of my life living in shame over this because God does not need me to be good. Doing those two things together without negating one or the other, so hard.
1: So hard. And, you know, the third option that I think happens if we don't handle this well as individuals in our own personal situation is getting so overwhelmed by our shame right. that it becomes our identity. And then we don't even try
0: to work on it or
1: be different or change things. So there's that too.
0: Right. The paying, the lip service to the piece about being loved, but not really experiencing that. So you have two profound experiences that you're trying to draw people towards, the pain that you cause and the love that, that you receive. And it's so easy to ignore one or the other.
1: I had an example of this yesterday which this was not part of the message but it I think it, it's uh a really um I found it to be a moment. So I was babysitting your daughter yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she was not at her best. She was not feeling well. <laughs> and um
0: I don't think we've talked about this so I don't actually know what's coming. No, I'm guessing you, I'm I, guessing she hit you.
1: Uh, she brought the claws of death upon my neck. It's oh, lucky yeah. she didn't get my She'll, jugular. She
0: goes for the jugular. She does. Yeah. She's done that to me.
1: Uh so uh I can't remember what she was displeased about, but her reaction to the displeasure, because I was whole oh, she wanted she was sitting with me, her Mimi, but she wanted her pa. Her pops. My dad my dad. And uh, Pops was working and so Pops uh wasn't available, but she didn't like my answer when she asked for Pa because she knew he was just right on the other side of the door from the room we were in. <laughs> and so uh, she tried to kill me <laughs> with her fingernails. <laughs> and
0: I know exactly what that is.
1: You know, she's never actually done it with such effectiveness on me before. So I was startled.
0: Her little nails are are sharp ooh, ass.
1: Ooh. And so I said, Nora, no. <laughs> And I probably said it, you know, pretty firmly, which you can probably testify that I'm not exactly the firmest grandparent in the world. And I don't think I've ever told her no before. And uh, it startled her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think she's a very sweet, sensitive little girl. These occasional maniacal efforts to kill me are just a blip in the screen of her sweetness. But I said, Nora, no. And I scared her with the firmness of my tone.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, I've done that too.
1: And she asked me to comfort her. Mm -hmm. So she wrapped her little arms around my neck Mm -hmm. and buried her head into the very neck that just minutes ago she was trying to get to bleed. (laughs) And I thought what a non-dualistic perspective this was. Right. Right? Because on the one hand, she's really frustrated with me because I didn't give her what she wanted, and she was willing to do harm to express it. Now, come on. She's less than two years old. She's not having these thoughts, right? Right, But it's a metaphor. Yeah. And yet, at the bottom line of it all is, even though I startled her with a no, she knows Mimi loves her. Mm -hmm. And so the very person that was withholding from her was the also the person that she wanted to comfort her? Right. And I was like, yes, that is that is the essence of of being able to see the both end. Yep. And it was all happening at exactly the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So in terms of using that as a metaphor, it's more like um, a metaphor for experiencing. Two diff, two things that are difficult to experience at once, right? Because we're not suggesting that the, that when we cause harm, that that's an instance of God withholding something from us. Oh no, 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 no. no. Right. I'm just, I know you weren't yeah, saying later. that, but I'm just trying to make that clear, just um, just to make sure that nothing is going on beneath the surface that we don't want it to. Um, but yeah, I mean that that is um one of the startling things to me is. Um, how quickly you can go from one to the other with a with a toddler right um and how there doesn't seem to be any discrepancy for them between the two right i'm frustrated with you and i love you more than anything yeah and um that is something to learn from yes. i think i mean like cuz that cuz i think that it's it's i think what's happening there is there's no skepticism that's entering into the equation like right. because like um, so often, what adults do is like, I'm frustrated with you, therefore I become skeptical about what kind of presence you're going to be in my life. Right. And what you're seeing here is I'm frustrated with you, but I am in no way doubting right. that you have my best interests at heart. Right. Or that you can provide for me or care for me or something like that. I mean, who who knows what's going on in the mind of a baby? But I'm suggesting these are mentalities that an adult could, an adult could conceivably latch onto.
1: I think so. And just this idea or maybe they,
0: maybe they can't, but maybe it would be a good idea if we could. Yeah.
1: But this idea, I think, and I, and I meant this as a very, very limited metaphor, right. <laughs> but this idea that I think for a toddler who are completely dependent on the grown-ups in their lives, yeah, this idea that um, that they are well and truly loved, and that the grown-up will comfort them, even as they clearly know they've done something that displeased that adult. Right. So, um, you know, I think and she And the was, dependence
0: piece. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no.
1: But I think that the, dependence piece is good. Sorry. <laughs> I just
0: did it again. Uh, no, I was just going to say, like, I think, you know, that's one of the themes that's been coming back. Uh, in my head that I keep wanting to do a message on, but I ultimately keep cutting it out of the messages that I've been doing because it's just not quite been relevant enough Mm -hmm. um, is just this idea of how dependent we should be on God. Right. And um, I think if we really understood how dependent we should be, we would be less concerned with our goodness. Yes. And we would have less shame. Because we would realize that dependence means giving up on appearing a certain way, being a certain level of goodness, all of these kinds of things that instead it's like, oh, I can rely on God to be good. Right. Um, I think if you take, if you flesh that out, then you end up with a vision of dependence that... um, you know, there's still things required of us, but it's not the kinds of things that we think that lead to us living in these shame traps.
1: So the example I used on that Sunday was about a ring I found while we were on vacation. Yeah. And if you go to- I'm
0: n- title this one, The Ring Message. Yeah. I've heard- Or you, my you, precious. You, <laughs> you've been gone, but I've, I've heard, uh, there's been several conversations about The Ring Message.
1: The Ring Message. So mm-hmm. The Ring Message went something like this. And, you know, I drew it out, to great length. But the story went like this. On vacation, I found a ring, and it was very sparkly. And um, I thought it was beautiful. And I wanted to keep the ring. But ultimately, the bottom line is, is I I ended up with the ring, but I didn't try to keep the ring. So I...
0: You found it under the bed.
1: Found it under the bed. Dad thought it was one of his grandchildren's toys, which I was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Found it under the bed and uh, went to lengths to try to return it, talked to the lost and found folks. And ultimately, over the course of time, became so... um, committed to trying to find the owner of the ring because of what I learned about myself in the process and my potential for harm, that I took it to a jewelry store to get it appraised to see how valuable it was because how valuable it was was going to determine if I was going to call Channel 12 News in our local community and see if somebody could help me find the ring or or just leave it where it was which is my name and phone number at the lost and found at the resort. Right. Well, ultimately the ring was worth at most 20 bucks if you got it on sale. It wasn't unreasonable the jeweler said to pay 9.99 for it. I was done looking for it, but the ring was much more expensive to me than the value of those cheap imitation stones, because I really wanted to keep the ring. Mm-hmm. And um, who's to say, honestly, what I would have done if they had told me the ring was worth 40 grand, right?
0: Because in the moment, like, I think it's so, um, cause I think people um, maybe were willing to downplay this on your behalf a little bit. But in the moment, as far as you were concerned, you could have just you could have been stumbling on a 40 grand ring. Yeah. Right. And you knew deep down in yourself that you did not want to do the right thing.
1: I did not want to do the right thing. And this was really hard for our crowd to listen to.
0: And you had to, you had to somehow find, you know, you, you had to, um, you had to go again, you had to go to battle with yourself. Right to to you had to battle with your own instincts, in order to try to find the person who the ring belonged to when you didn't know that it was toy jewelry, which you've always been a sucker for.
1: Right, I am a sucker for <laughs> toy jewelry.
0: Um, and I think that people don't realize that, you know, I think that when you're telling the story in the aftermath, it's hard for people to realize that that was a real battle.
1: It was a legitimate real battle, and um, and. Please don't try to take it away from me and say, well, ultimately you did the right thing because that actually is invalidating of the real experience.
0: Well, and, you know, that might not have happened. You know, like if you're thinking about a person in an actual timeline, it wasn't like you went from, you picked the ring up off the floor and then instantly called the lost and found. I mean, there was enough time for you to sit around and process. What am I going to do? And during that yeah. time where you didn't know, you had to deal with the fact that you didn't want to find the owner.
1: Yeah. And my first thought was finder keepers, losers, weepers. Right. <laughs> and then my second thought is I'm not turning it into lost and found because somebody with with uh, less of a conscience is going to keep it. Yeah. But at the same time, look, let's be honest about this. <laughs> If somebody else was going to keep that ring other than the original owner, I wanted it to be me. It's going to be me. So um, anyway, that was the story. And um, I think the illustration, I chose that illustration to say this, that what what was really helpful to me was giving myself the time to think about what I really wanted to do, because I honestly had the thought, if I keep this ring, um
0: how does that change me?
1: How does how does that change me? Because what it doesn't do or is Or
0: what it, does it reveal about me?
1: Yes, because what it doesn't do is change God's love for me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, then I Don't make decisions when I can remember that. I don't make decisions out of fear or shame or guilt. I have to dive deep and decide who do I want to be because God's going to love me no matter what. And you
0: have to wrestle with the vast freedom of choosing what kind of child you're going to be.
1: And ultimately, I couldn't come back to my community with a straight face And deliver messages about being people of integrity or doing hard things, knowing that I was willing to sell my soul.
0: For 20 bucks. For
1: 20 bucks. Yeah. So that was the story. And um, I've already told you the point. And that's just what I think it is like to be human.
0: Yeah. And I think... Just to to emphasize it, I think that um, if you're always going to be loved, then there is a tremendous and terrifying freedom that comes with that of there's not going to be a punishment that pushes you back towards the middle of the path. You know, know, if you're relying on on God's discipline or God's punishment to make you the person that you want to be, that's not a good strategy. I mean there are there are verses that reference God's discipline and I think that's possible but from time to time but God doesn't just discipline you every time something every time you make a a hurtful choice. Right. right. And so you need to realize that like you're not bowling with bumper guards here. Yeah. There are no bumpers. And that is very freeing. Um, and it's not always the kind of freedom that we would want. I mean, sometimes we want something outside of ourselves to push us back to the middle of the lane so we know we're safe, but it's more like we have the freedom to choose whether or not we're going to, to pursue that kind of life, knowing that we're loved all along. Yeah. And the question is, you know, how much pain are we going to cause ourselves and others through not realizing that we're so free? Uh, to to be loving presences. Yeah.
1: So all of that's to say it was uh, it was a really good experience, and I concluded the message by saying that I was going to keep the ring on my nightstand as a reminder to myself. Uh, but one of my friends in our community who heard the message said that was a big waste, and could she have it? So I gave it to her. <laughs> <laughs> that's. Funny. And it looks marvelous on her hand. That's funny. So, yeah, that's, that was that message, and I am deeply grateful that you and I could even remember what it was.
0: Yeah, it took, it took some time, but we did. Um, okay, so we are now closing by making uh, recommendations of various sorts um, to our listeners, just to mix it up and add a little something else to what we're doing. So, uh, what is it that you want to recommend this week, or do you want me to go first?
1: You go first.
0: Um, I'm going to recommend a YouTube video. Okay. Um, it's like an hour and a half long.
1: So Whoa, what?
0: You've got to have some time on your hands. But. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Mom's playing with her phone over there.
1: I'm trying to reach, get to my uh, selection. All right, go ahead. Yeah. An okay. hour and a half it's long. It's an hour and, and a half video. long YouTube
0: video of um, a therapist named Carl Rogers I think it's called Carl Rogers counsels a man on anger or something like that you could at least search search that on YouTube and find it but here's why I want you to watch that one of my friends recommended to me because I'm in a counseling program he told me that his favorite therapist is Carl Rogers and so I've I've been doing a a kick on reading his work and off and on over the last couple years but one of the things that he does so well in that conversation is listen and validate the person that he's talking to, and you can see what a profound impact that has on the person he's talking to. And so I would say it's really helpful to watch for anybody, not somebody who's trying to be a counselor because it shows, like, the importance of how we um, behave in conversations can open up really meaningful uh, possibilities and experiences for the person that we're talking to. And just, it's a way of thinking, what's my disposition when I'm talking to those that I love and, and how can I, uh, choose a disposition that really helps them know that they're loved and accepted by me. And I just, that's I just what, love it. I, yeah, I just, I would watch it through those eyes of like, what can I learn, um, through, Uh, about the kinds of conversations that I could have and having more, um, being a more loving conversational partner. I think there's a lot to learn from from watching that. So I would encourage it, but I know it's a big time commitment and nobody will probably do it, but hey. So YouTube video,
1: look for Carl Rogers. Counsels on Anger. Counsels on Anger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, you'd have thought we had planned our choices, but we didn't. Um, I chose a book that I listened to on Audible. So I highly recommend using some resource like uh, Audible because there's so many times where you could be getting really good stuff while you're riding in your car, you're taking a walk or you're working out or whatever. So I I spend a small fortune there, although I don't own stock in the company. Um, And while I was at the lake, uh, I found on vacation for two and a half weeks... I found a little ditty on there, which I'm not even sure it's anywhere else but on Audible. But it's a book called I Hear You by Michael S. Sorensen, and it is fantastic. It's a very small little uh, quick read, super practical, and it's all about the surprising benefits of being a person who knows how to validate other people in conversations. Mm. And that's different from reflective listening. It's different from um, empathy. It's different from all sorts of other things that maybe we think are validating. It's specific. It's a step-by-step process. And I'm pretty sure anybody can learn how to do it. Um, and he includes in there frequently all sorts of anti-validating comments. Mm-hmm of which I have used all of them probably 50 times a day my whole life. So it's a great little read and I highly recommend it to you.
0: Good. Those are two peas in a pot. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we did it. That's enough for today. Um, for a while now, probably you've been hearing music that comes to us royalty-free and courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. And um, they have a, a large database of music available on their website, which you can find online at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. You can find us on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. We thank you for listening, and we will be back next week.